welcome to the Further Light Podcast, presented by Wisconsin Freemasonry, helping you accomplish your Masonic goals through education and more light. And now, I present to you, Brother Chris Ludke. Listeners, scholars, brothers, this is Brother Chris Lidkin. Today, I want to explore dialectic reasoning. And you're saying they're going, what is that? What are you talking about? And dialectic is part of logic. We dealt with it in the logic episode. I think it'd be episode four or so. And I briefly talked about it, but it's something that is sorely lacking today. I see it in my classroom, we see it in the lack of civility when it comes to civic discussion, discussions of politics, of policy, of different ideas. And so what I want to look at is sort of a, an annotated look, an article from January of 2023 by Claudine Kaiser, who's talking about the art of dialectic reasoning. And in this case, I'm using it as a framework to talk about it. This is part of my interest in critical thinking, my interest in why we don't see this as much today as perhaps we should. So first, let's get into it. The art of dialectical reasoning is understanding the process of logical debate and its benefits. Logic is understanding how things should go together. Dialectic is drawing these things together through the use of reason. So dialectic reasoning is a method of argument that involves arriving at the truth through the process of logical debate between two opposing viewpoints. It is commonly used in philosophy and can help to clarify complex ideas by looking at them from different perspectives, something we don't see today. We tend to exist in echo chambers where the radio stations we might listen to, the television stations, the shows all have a political bent that agrees with us. And that can be deeply problematic for this reason, because we need those different perspectives. The goal of dialectic reasoning is to arrive at a synthesis or higher truth that reconciles the contradictions between opposing viewpoints. So, this is one of the strengths of masonry. I'll probably get back to this again later. But the idea that people in a group, not individuals online, but people in a group will tend to draw each other back towards the center, draw them back from an extreme view. Say, hey, Phil, that's a little bit much. And Phil comes back towards a slightly more moderated view because he sees the other perspective. This is really important today that we understand this. So let's talk about the origins of dialectic reasoning. The word comes from the Greek, which means a Greek word, uh, dialectikos, which means of or related to conversation or discussion. Dialectic reasoning is a fundamental part of philosophical discourse in ancient Greece. We see it discussed and developed by philosophers such as Socrates and Plato, who believed that the truth could be arrived at through logical debate and argumentation. The method involved ex examining opposing viewpoints and arriving at a synthesis or resolution through the process of critical thinking and reasoning. 
in a way, what they're doing is saying, hey, we need to look at the opposing view. If I understand the opposing view, then either A, I will moderate my view, or B, I will better understand their concept, and maybe I really still disagree with it, and that's fine, but by understanding it, even my arguments become better, because I understand where they're coming from. It's sort of developing logical empathy would be a great way of looking at it. The method involves examining these opposite viewpoints. In this way, dialectic reasoning encourages the exploration of ideas and the pursuit of knowledge through intellectual exchange rather than a dogmatic acceptance of talking points or established beliefs. In the 19th century, a German philosopher by the name of Hegel further develops it into a comprehensive philosophical framework, which we're not going to get into Hegel as much. But he saw the method as a way of understanding the historical development of ideas and society, arguing that progress came about through conflict between opposing forces that ultimately lead to a synthesis or new ideas. And when I say synthesis, you can hear compromise. So we need two opposing views so we can find a middle road, a balance, the brazen pillars, the mosaic pavement, all of these things that get balanced. We can use that balance to find a route that everyone agrees on and that probably is the best bet. Hegelian dialectics had a significant influence on Marx and Engels, who applied it to their analysis of social and political issues. They believed that history was shaped by class struggle, with conflicts between the ruling and working classes driving social change. Using dialectical reasoning, they developed their theory of historical materialism. So when Marx and Engels, I'm just using them as an example, look at this, they're going to look at it as a dialectic discussion between classes and that one side simply doesn't have as much of a voice. And this is being used purely as illustration. And their ideas, of course, have profound impact on the politics, economics, and social thought, especially in the 19th and 20th centuries. Today, dialectic reasoning continues to be used in various fields, including sociology, psychology, economics, philosophy, and political science. So we see certain stages of dialectic reasoning. How do we get there, basically? How, what do we have to work through? So the main stages that we see by... Uh, developed by Hegel, are commonly referred to as thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. So the process is iterative. It's ongoing, with each synthesis forming the basis for a new thesis that can then be further examined through dialectical reasoning. Through this method, dialectical reasoning encourages open-minded exploration of ideas and continual refinement of knowledge. What it's doing is arguing in favor of what I refer to as intellectual plasticity, the ability to look at something from both sides, the ability to understand and argue both sides. Because when you can do that, I guarantee you that your understanding of that topic is probably better than 90% of most people who give it consideration. So let's talk about these stages. First, thesis. So thesis is the essential element of the process of developing a new idea. A thesis is an idea. It's a thesis statement when you wrote a paper in high school or college is your argument. You're laying out, this is the thing I'm going to prove. So that is your thesis. The thesis serves as the foundation upon which further exploration and examination can take place. 
It may be based on empirical evidence, personal experience, or existing knowledge within a field. And let me say about personal experience, anecdote is beautiful. Anecdote being another term for personal experience or one person's story or maybe many people's stories. But the plural of anecdote is not data. When you look at an individual's story, you must understand it as their experience, their story. There may be some truths well hidden in it. After all, the attentive ear is a very important thing. But we cannot assume that it is the same as data. And that tends to be one of these logical fallacies that we fall into. Now, the thesis should be well-defined and preferably supported by relevant evidence to provide a solid starting point for debate and analysis. Today, that would mean I have an idea. For example, I believe that the 47th problem of Euclid means this in Masonic terms. And now the first thing that I'm going to do is see if anyone else has that idea. Can I back myself up through authority? In other words, are there others out there with more knowledge than myself who agree with my idea? I might start looking at the 47th problem. I might start looking at interpretations of it. Maybe all the other interpretations are the opposite. And so that's how I'm going to start working with my thesis. Very basic research, very basic looking into it and determining what I want to think or what my idea is. In some cases, the thesis may represent an established belief that is widely accepted within a community or culture. In other cases, it may be a new idea that challenges existing assumptions or paradigms. It could go either way. Regardless of origin, the thesis provides a framework for critical thinking and analysis that allows for deeper exploration of complex ideas. This is why we read. This is why we talk to people. This is why we go out and experience the world. Because if you sit in your house and you just flip through your phone watching YouTube shorts or Tic Tac videos or whatever else, then you're not necessarily developing these theses. You're not using the mind that we were given that is separated from the animals by the very reason, the very rational thought that we're looking at here with the dialectic. Now, by presenting a clear and well-supported thesis at the outset of an argument or discussion, individuals can engage in productive dialogue and work towards developing new insights and solutions to complex ideas. When you go to Lodge and you say, hey, I've got this idea, Steve. And Steve says, well, that's a goofy idea. Here's why. That's the starting point. That's the starting point of the thesis. You're developing it. And this is very common. This is what the Greeks were doing. This is what Socrates and Plato were doing. They're looking for people with different perspectives. They're presenting theirs and seeing what sticks and what doesn't. And they're slowly working on the process, working on their thought. Now, this initial stage is crucial in ensuring the subsequent stages of dialectic reasoning are built upon a solid foundation of knowledge and understanding. The second stage is antithesis. Now, this is the hard one. The second stage, known as antithesis, represents a critical stage in the process of developing new ideas and understanding complex ideas. In this stage, an opposing viewpoint or critique of the original thesis is presented. The antithesis provides an opportunity for individuals to challenge existing assumptions and consider alternative perspectives. 
This can take the form of a counterargument or a different interpretation of available evidence. The goal is to create a sense of tension between opposing viewpoints that can be used to fuel further exploration and analysis. So by presenting an alternative perspective or critique of the original thesis, individuals can engage in productive dialogue within themselves or among themselves that allows for this deeper exploration. The antithesis, like the thesis, must be well supported by relevant evidence and logical reasoning to ensure that it presents a legitimate challenge. Now, what this statement is saying is basically you can't create a straw man. You can't say, oh, people on this side argue this and it's a weak argument and that's what I'm going to use. No, you want to use a solid, strong argument against your own case. Because by doing so, you can properly compare the two and come to synthesis, come to compromise, come to better understanding and knowledge. Now, this, this stage is crucial in ensuring that multiple perspectives are considered and evaluated before arriving at a final conclusion or synthesis. By engaging with opposing viewpoints, individuals can broaden their understanding of complex image issues and develop more nuanced insights into how they might be addressed. Overall, the antithesis serves as a valuable tool for promoting critical thinking and analysis, encouraging individuals to challenge existing assumptions and explore ideas in pursuit of deeper knowledge and understanding. This is how academia is supposed to work. You come up with your idea, but then you also almost immediately turn around and attempt to disprove your own idea. The process of trying to disprove my idea will either change my idea, creating synthesis or compromise, or it could strengthen my idea, or maybe it causes me to go in a completely separate direction. None of these things are comfortable because confirmation bias is a thing. We want to be right. And so it seems, well, antithetical to argue against yourself, and yet that is one of the best ways to really get to the bottom line in any given idea. The third stage of dialectic is synthesis, and represents the culmination of the dialectical process. In this stage, the conflict between the thesis and antithesis is resolved through a process of critical thinking and analysis. It represents a higher level of understanding that incorporates elements from both the thesis and antithesis while transcending their limits. It involves identifying common ground between opposing viewpoints and using this as a basis for developing new insights and solutions to complex problems. Now, the synthesis requires individuals to engage in critical thinking and problem solving, drawing upon their knowledge and experience to develop an innovative approach to a complex issue. It should be based on careful evaluation of all available evidence and perspectives, taking into account any potential biases or limitations. So the goal here is to find a middle ground, but keep in mind we're on a spectrum. It doesn't mean that the middle ground is right in the middle between A and C. It's not necessarily going to be B. It could be just to the left of B. It could be just to the right of B. It could be anywhere on that spectrum. 
So there's always this misunderstanding that compromise must be down the middle, but that's typically not what's going to happen. It's going to be much messier than that, and that's the beauty of it. The goal is to arrive at this complex understanding. It should be well supported by relevant evidence and logical reasoning. Overall, the synthesis serves as an important tool for promoting critical thinking, creativity, and innovation. By incorporating elements from both opposing viewpoints, individuals can arrive at a more nuanced understanding of complex issues that can inform future decision-making processes. This is a continuous process. So when you're looking at an issue, when you're looking at, for example, a Masonic teaching, and we look at multiple interpretations, you might be trying to figure out, well, is this one correct? And in the regards to interpretations, well, a lot of interpretations can be correct at the same time. And sometimes it's recognizing that. Sometimes it's recognizing your own weakness. And really, that's the difficult part here, is recognizing that you've just spent this time putting together a thesis, putting together your idea, and now you're going to spend time tearing it down. And that's very difficult to do. Mentally, we don't like doing that. Mentally, as humans, we aren't designed for that, as it were. I mean, we are, but we aren't at the same time. We are capable of it, but it's not comfortable. Imagine whatever your strongest viewpoint is, and then imagine spending a day, a week, a month, trying to put together an argument that is exactly the opposite. And then take those two arguments put them together and work through them and find that synthesis. This is really difficult. In today's society, it's something that is sorely lacking because of those echo chambers that we live in today. We don't want to do that because it's uncomfortable. And yet, the fact that it's uncomfortable means that the process is working. In conclusion, dialectic reasoning is a powerful tool for promoting critical thinking and analysis. By engaging with opposite viewpoints and exploring new perspectives, individuals develop a more comprehensive understanding of the issues around them. It helps their future decision-making. Each stage of this, thesis, antithesis, and synthesis, plays an important role in the development of new ideas and new insights, and keep in mind, it's a continuous process. I may be looking between A and C as opposing viewpoints, and I come up with let's call it C plus or on the C side of the spectrum. And now I'm going to work with that perhaps a year, perhaps a month, perhaps several years down the line to again combine that with other new ideas. And so under this theory, under dialectic, your ideas of the world change over time and that change is hard. And in a world of political polarization, in a world of echo chambers, that change can make you an outcast because people don't like other people changing. We like predictability. At the same time, if you are going to be truly authentic to yourself, truly honest with yourself and seek the truth, this is the only way to do it. So it becomes particularly important. By incorporating dialectic reasoning into our approach to problem solving, we can promote creativity, innovation, and deeper insight into the complexity that is the world around us. How could you do this in a practical sense? Well, driving to work 
listen to radio stations, say one on the way to work that has one viewpoint and one on the way home that has another if you're into talk radio. Or check out the news on different websites that have opposing views of the same story. Does it take more work? Yes. Are you going to develop that more complex understanding of the world around you? Absolutely. And no one's perfect with this. There are beliefs that we all have that we simply aren't going to question. And that's human. After all, perfection is not a human trait. What I'm encouraging you to do is when you're going to take a strong view on something, make sure you understand the opposing view. Make sure you go through this process and you understand your view, you understand their view, and then you start to synthesize the two, starting at common ground and figuring out where the truth might actually lie and understand that that truth may be painful. But you know what? It wasn't meant to be easy. Nothing about this world is meant to be easy. But it is something that we can handle. Thank you for brother for joining me, Brother Chris Lidke, and the entire Further Light team on your quest to find more light in masonry. Are you interested in learning more about Freemasonry in Wisconsin? Visit wisconsinmasons.org to learn more about masonry and access further educational content and more light. Once again, that address is wimasons.org. Any questions, comments, or suggestions, please email us at education at wisconsinmasons.org. And thank you for listening.